We are in the middle of a series that we are calling Strangers, Living for a Better Kingdom. Because I don't know if you knew this, but if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you belong to a better kingdom. An unending, undefeatable, and undivided kingdom. And uh, you may have citizenship in this country or whatever country you happen to be tuning in from. But ultimately, your first and primary citizenship is in heaven. And if you belong to the kingdom of heaven, then you have been invited to live a better kind of way. And so in this series, we're looking at the words of Jesus because we want to learn what it looks like to live in light of that better kingdom. We want to learn what it looks like to live in light of that better way. So we've been... Taking our time working our way through a section of scripture in Matthew chapter 5 known as the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, in particular we've been looking at a section uh, referred to as the Beatitudes. But man this morning we are going to veer from that just a little bit. Um, uh, my family and I are, are reading through the Bible in a year. And I say that to say I am so behind that my kids are questioning my salvation. You know, on, on top of obviously uh, working our way through the book of Acts this month as a church, which obviously ends um, today. Um, but, but as I was reading through the, the, the section of the New Testament this past week, I paused. My heart was stirred in a way that I just couldn't shake. And as I processed that and as I I prayed about it, I couldn't help but believe Jesus wanted us as a church to take a mid-series pause to just check in. I couldn't shake the sense that we're just supposed to take a moment To stop for a second and have ourselves a heart check before we move on. So, we are going to sneak out of the Sermon on the Mount and we are going to eavesdrop on a sermon in a boat. If you have a copy of the Bible, meet me in Matthew chapter 13, just a few chapters further from where we've been spending our time. And the next week we'll be back in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. But Matthew chapter 13, uh, we are going to start reading at verse number 1. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. Um, here's what it says. And by the way, we've been, been taking these weeks to work our way through one verse at a time. And uh, today we are going to be walking through a pretty significant chunk of scripture, pausing to make observations as we go. So uh, brace yourself for that. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. That same day. Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So here we are once again. The story launches with Jesus not even able to get himself a moment to sit on the beach and enjoy this lake that he himself had created before he is completely swarmed by this mass of People who just want him to put on a show for their entertainment. Uh, On this particular occasion, they press in on Jesus and they hem him, pin him against the shoreline. That the only place Jesus can go is into the water. So being resourceful that he is, Jesus steps into a boat and he pushes off a little bit. And he begins to teach the people. From that floating pulpit. I'm so thankful for the patience of Jesus. Because I would have turned on the motor and made my way across a little bit. Found myself a quiet cove and had some me time. But Jesus sits in the boat and begins to teach this crowd. First part of verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables saying. Now, for those of you not familiar with parables, parables are really simple stories hiding really deep truths. 
parables are really simple stories with these hidden spiritual truths. Simple stories, no matter what your age is, no matter what your background is, no matter what your education level is, you could understand the story. It was always very simple. But for most people, they couldn't understand the hidden meaning behind the story. That was the nature of a parable. It was one of Jesus' favorite ways to teach the crowds. And he's about to use one of his famous parables in this context. A very simple farming story that would have made perfect sense to everybody listening to him in that agricultural context. Second part of verse 3. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. Uh, The path is speaking about um, uh, hard ground that hasn't been plowed. Uh, It hasn't been tilled. And so the birds, opportunistic that they are, came and just ate up that seed. Verse 5, some seed fell on rocky places. This is referring to uh, dirt that has right beneath it gravelly rock. So it's very shallow. And he says so, where it did not have much soil. And so the seed turned into a plant and it sprang up quickly. But because the soil was shallow, look what happens next. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns. Um, which grew up, and then the insinuation is it grew up together with the plants. But the thorns eventually choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them And that was it. That was the end of the story. That's the parable. Jesus, the master teacher, teaches from this boat. It would have made perfect sense to everybody, regardless of their age, listening to him. Matter of fact, this story was kind of bordering on Captain Obvious, if you ask me. So a farmer scatters a bunch of seed. And this seed lands on four different kinds of ground. The seed that lands on bad ground, farm fail. It amounts to nothing. Yeah, makes sense. And the seed that lands on good ground, well, it shatters the market. Ah, okay. Makes sense. And then Jesus says, What I believe he often says even to his church. And then Jesus says what I believe he is saying to us even in this series. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I know you comprehend the story. But I'm asking, can you hear what I'm trying to say beneath the surface of a story that makes plenty of sense? Can you hear me? I know the sermons make sense most of the time. But are you really hearing what I am saying? Because... The insinuation that is going to make clearer here in a moment is most will miss it. I know you understand what I'm saying on on the superficial level, but do you understand what I mean? 
And you know what his closest followers were humble enough to say to Jesus? We don't get it. I mean, we comprehend what you said, but we don't get what you mean. And frankly, we don't understand why you insist on speaking in these coded parables. We don't understand why you don't just say what you mean and and mean what you say, Jesus. And so when the crowd scatters, they chase Jesus down and they just ask him the question. Verse 10, his followers, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And man, I was stirred by Jesus's answer. Verse 11, he replied, because The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, what we are talking about in this series, has been given to you, but not to them. Does that remind you of the way we started this series? And if you missed it, I'd invite you to go back to the start of this series and catch up with us. I speak in parables because the matters of the kingdom are not for fans. They are for followers. Matter of fact, the understanding of my kingdom is a secret hidden in plain sight from most who hear me. Parables are a kingdom kind of language. If you are part of my kingdom, you will get it. But if you're just a fair weather fan who listens to me when it suits you, you are going to miss it. Can you hear me? Or you may get the story, but only my followers will understand its Secrets. Carolina, Carolina, Iverson 72, uh, East Chicago, East Chicago. And I'm like, what? Because those, those are plays that are designed for my son and his team. They are actually designed for the other team not to understand and for the fans in the stands to have no clue what they mean. But to the people on the team, it makes complete sense. Omaha! <laughs> I miss you, Peyton. Come back. So it is with these parables. I use parables because I'm trying to distinguish those who can hear me from those who can't. And then he says in verse 12, and whoever has will be given more. Whoever has what? Understanding of what I mean. They will be given more and they will have an abundance. What a beautiful word when Jesus uses it. Whoever does not Get it. Whoever does not understand, even the little they think they know will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they don't really see. Though hearing, they don't really hear or understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing at a superficial level, but never perceiving the secret meaning of what I'm truly saying. I speak in parables to distinguish those who get it from those who don't. 
This is sobering. The majority of people will hear my invitation to live in light of my kingdom. And they will think they get it. But most will miss it. They'll even nod in agreement. But they don't. They'll completely miss what I want and what I want for them. In fact, they will hear it time and time again, over and over again, a different message over and over again. They'll read these scriptures over and over again. He says they'll be ever hearing, but they'll just keep missing it. And they won't even realize that they don't get it. Church, can you hear me? This series about the kingdom, y'all, is not rated E for everyone. According to Jesus, this conversation about living in light of his kingdom is going to resonate with some and not with others. To some of us, it's going to make the kind of sense that causes us to adjust the way we live. For others, we'll hear it on the surface. Dare I say for most, if we are not careful, it will just be a conversation piece. Something to consider. Maybe something to critique. Give a grade to. There will be those of us who listen week after week after week and we will think we get it, but we actually don't. And even the little we think we got will be snatched from us. And that's not always going to be complicated. For many of us, it's just the simple fact By the time we get to the parking lot, whatever it was we were maybe thinking about, it's gone. Let alone being implemented into the way we live. By the time we get to lunch, we've moved on. Church, can you hear me? I believe Jesus wanted us to pause mid-series and take stock. To have a sound check. Can you hear? To to pause and just really ask the question. Are we listening? Not just at a superficial level. But are we hearing the secrets to which Jesus is inviting us to live? Jesus says many, if not most, of us will miss it. And here's the interesting thing. It is not a comprehension problem. We won't miss it because we're not smart enough. Look at what Jesus says in verse 15. He says, no, for this people's heart has become Calloused. They hardly even listen with their ears anymore. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn 
and I would heal them. I would restore what's broken in them. I would make them whole. But they don't even listen well anymore. And it's interesting that Jesus says we don't miss it because we're not smart. We miss it because our hearts have become hardened. I believe he wanted us to pause, not just to take a sound check, because ultimately the sound check is a heart check. He says it's not a comprehension problem. It's a hardness of heart issue. We have developed a resistance to the voice of Jesus. And we don't often even realize it. He doesn't say they've made their hearts hard. He says their hearts have become hard. It is something that happens over time. Where we become so defensive and so protective of the things that we truly value. And our our hearts become like these fortresses designed to protect and to safeguard within them the things that are most important to us. And we keep out anything that threatens to mess with what we value, even the voice of Jesus. And after a while, even the way we listen to the simplest things begins to change. Even the way we listen to his word begins to change. Jesus says they hardly even listen anymore. I mean, they'll sit and listen, but you can see the reluctance. I mean, I'll come to church. I mean, I'll... I mean, I was there, wasn't I? I, I listened. <laughs> but I listened bored. I mean, I appreciate Jesus might be saying something in his word, but eh. Jesus' word is eh. And if I had to choose between his voice and some TikTok videos, don't make me lie in church. Now I'll perk up for the news. But the voice of Jesus. We're not even listening well anymore. Forget perceiving. He says that's an evidence that hearts are hardening. And he says, they close their eyes. What a profound picture. This is the picture of of when we start to listen selectively. Oh, amen, Jesus. I will listen to your word. As long as it agrees with me and reinforces what I already believe. Otherwise, I'm going to kind of close my eyes. Because I don't want to see it. If it tampers with my lifestyle, oh no. This is a picture of listening critically. Like I'm just waiting for you to slip up and say something wrong. Come on. Right? That's the posture where where, where, where we sit like this. Okay. Mm, I'm listening. Impress me. And make no mistakes. Because I'm ready. That's an evidence of a hardening of heart. It happens when I've already decided what things can be messed with in my life and what things cannot. So I've created this fortress around my heart and that's now how I listen. And so Jesus might be inviting me to live in light of his kingdom. But the question is, does your calling agree with what I think is valuable? 
Or does it start to temper with? And Jesus is going to come back to this a little bit later on. He says, but this is not the case with my truest followers. He says in verse 16, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Jesus, may this be what marks our church. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. By the way, can I just pause and say this is true about millions of people around the world. They long to hear the kinds of invitations that we hear on a regular basis like this. Moses would have given his staff to hear some of the things Jesus invites us into. And we're like, I mean, can you get a TikTok account, Jesus? Jesus says, no, this is not the posture for my followers. My followers will have a heart posture that can hear me and see me and live in light of my Kingdom. I believe Jesus wants us to take a moment to be real. What is the texture of my heart right now? What is the tenderness level of my heart right now? What is the receptivity level of my heart right now? If we don't answer, this is the question of the moment. If we don't answer the question, how is my heart posture towards the voice of Jesus? We are just going to be ever hearing, barely listening, but not getting it. This is a question we must answer. With what kind of posture is my heart listening to what he might want to say? Because the posture of our hearts will determine whether or not we hear him and taste wholeness and abundance. Or if we just continue to be ever hearing, but never perceiving and never tasting the kingdom. Never truly experiencing, oh, how completely happy. Jesus explains the parable to his followers. And in doing that, he's going to expose the different postures of hearts represented in this room, represented on this stream, represented to anyone who may be engaging this later. He's going to explain what he means by the parable. And he's going to reveal different kinds of responses to his voice. And the question is, which one describes me? Verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, this invitation to live in light of a better kingdom, and does not understand it, the evil one, the devil, comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. I have to pause And just say loudly, we are at war. There is a cosmic spiritual war for your heart, for my heart. The devil wants nothing. 
to do with Jesus' people living in light of his kingdom. He will pull all stops to prevent that from happening. Don't be surprised if things got a little tense on your way to church. Don't be surprised if week after week lunchtime seems to be blow-ups in the house. Don't be surprised if as you're studying the scripture, things around you start to get a little more chaotic. There is a war for the hearts of the church. The devil is prowling. He is stalking. He is looking for any opportunity whatsoever. There is a war. Jesus stands inviting his people to live in light of his kingdom and the enemy prowls trying to do anything he can to distract and destroy that word so we never actually do anything with it. There is a war for our hearts. And you get to decide Which side wins by how your heart responds to the voice of Jesus? Jesus says, this is what the path refers to. It's the person who hears what Jesus says. Happy are those who mourn in my kingdom. But but what Jesus says in his invitation to live in light of his kingdom is, is kind of confusing. It doesn't make sense. I hear what you're saying, Jesus, but it doesn't make sense. Jesus says, if that's you, the devil will snatch that invitation and nothing will come of it. That is some of us. Things don't make a whole lot of sense to us. Now, (laughs) to be clear, that's not the problem. The problem is Jesus invites us to live in the light of his kingdom. And what he says doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And we say that doesn't make sense. I don't understand that. Oh well. That is the problem. Jesus is inviting us to live in light of his better kingdom. (laughs) And our response, well, you know, the whole meekness thing doesn't make sense to me. And then we move on to the next thing. I don't get it. And then we move on. Jesus says that's a hardness of heart issue. And the devil will have a heyday with you. That's a heart. This is not an intelligence issue. This is not a biblical aptitude. I didn't go to seminary, so I don't get it issue. It's a heart problem. I don't get it. Eh. Don't be the person who doesn't get it. Man. Let me explain this a little bit further. I can see some of the looks on your faces. If you can use Snapchat or a smartphone, there is nothing about the invitation to live in light of his kingdom that you can't get. Because after all, the kingdom is for little children such as these. It is not complicated. This is a hard problem. It just means you don't want to try. Do you know how hard Snapchat is to use? Do you know how many different terms... In language, my kids still try to explain what a streak is to me. I still don't get it. 
It's a whole new language. But I've never met a teen who says Snapchat is complicated. Eh. <laughs> Do you know how long it took me to learn how to use this iPad? Wait, so this, oh no, that turns it off. So then the one up here, okay, why did the screen turn side? Okay, how do, what is it? Um, okay, and then you push that, you double tap it. Well, what's that X for? What, oh, I deleted an app. Well, well, how do you get it? It is not easy to use. But I've gotten really good at it. I'm telling you, church, the era of us saying, I don't get it, it's done. That's a heart issue. You just don't want to do the work. You are still expecting to come to church. And if whoever's up here doesn't feed you exactly in the ways that make complete sense for how you should live it to a specific T. You're like, man, doesn't make sense. And then you move on. That's a heart issue. And some of us are going to respond to this invitation to the kingdom. And we're going to say, yeah, the whole meekness thing, yeah, it didn't make sense to, to me. So, man. Jesus says, if that's your response, the enemy cannot wait for you to hit the lobby. Boom, gone. What'd you guys talk about at church today? I don't, it was all right. I mean, I'd give it a. What did you hear, though? I don't know. And we miss what he's inviting us to see and to experience. One of the reasons I know this is because of his disciples. This was so reassuring to me. (laughs) Jesus tells a parable. And again... Remember what his disciples were humble enough to say? Huh? That doesn't make sense to me. How about you? Don't make sense to me either. How about you? Don't make sense to me either. Not making sense is not the problem. I don't get it. And what did they do? They chased Jesus down. They chased Jesus down. You're inviting us to live in light of your kingdom. We refuse to miss whatever it means. Explain it to us. This is what I believe Jesus wants his church's response to be. We don't get to say, I don't get it. And the Holy Spirit is like, I am a 24-7 help desk. Dial me up. Ask me, how do I install this kingdom app? Ask me, how do I swipe to activate this new reality? He loves to make the revelation of Jesus clear. This is not an aptitude issue. This is a hunger issue. And Jesus says, for some of us who will listen and it won't make sense and we'll be done. I'm not doing the work. I love what his disciples did. And I still believe Jesus often tells parables to puzzle people. To see who's going to say like, I'm sorry, Jesus, I can't let you go, man. I need this kingdom thing. Glad you asked. It's a moment to check in. What's your heart posture? Are you hungry? Are you chasing after Jesus? Are you going and are you doing the work? Man, I'm going to move on from this point. But there's a small group in this church that I got to sit in uh, last week. (laughs) This, this, This group is studying the book of Revelation. They all said, we don't get it. So what did they do? They started to study it. They started to pursue resources. They started to ask the Lord to give them wisdom and revelation on the book of Revelation. They disagreed. They couldn't figure it out. And so they kept pressing in. And then they invited me in to just ask me some questions about the book of Revelation. I am not exaggerating when I say to you, every single person in that room understands the book of Revelation better than I do. 
I could see the look on their faces like, oh man, we thought you'd have more to say. I'm like, I'm sorry. I love that. They didn't settle with the book of Revelation. It's so hard to understand, so let's just avoid it. They chased it down. And you should see them. They are united and there is an appetite in them to share Jesus with the people in their community. It is changing them because they chased Jesus down. Listen, we cannot keep saying, eh, I don't get it. That's a heart issue. May none of us stay in a place where things don't make sense. May we chase Jesus down. Verse 20, that the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And so when trouble or persecution comes because of that word, they quickly fall away. Will that be some of us? We understand the invitation to live in light of the kingdom and we get fired up and we hope to do things differently. And we might even have a couple of days. But there is a monumental difference between excited and committed. And let me just tell you right now. Your excitement over what Jesus invites you to does not scare the devil. There's a difference between excited and committed. Come on, you married people know that. Man, I'm convinced this excitement we're feeling right now on our wedding day will carry us 20 years down. Nope. There is a difference between excited and committed. I recently realized how much I was reverting back to anxiety and anger when painful things um, happened in my life. See, a few weeks ago, I got super excited about Jesus' Jesus's invitation to mourn, to, to express in honest and real and meaningful ways the heartache that I was experiencing because that's what his followers do. I got stoked over it but man when life felt like it just kept on throwing blows as a parent and blows as a pastor i found myself rushing back to fixing things to to being a man to to like that doesn't bother me to being angry to to being anxious and i started to lose joy I honestly can say to you, I'm still trying to find my way back to joy, so to speak. Because I hadn't done the work to give the truth I got excited about roots that make it stay. I didn't do the work to safeguard and to secure what Jesus revealed and what I got excited about. I was just convinced my excitement would be enough and it would just perpetuate. And I think that's how many of us listen to his invitations. Like if it's good enough, oh, that was a good one. That one will stick. And that was all right. So I'll probably forget it. I'll be back next week for another one that maybe will Excite me a little bit more. Like excitement is a currency of heaven. That's a heart problem. I started reverting back to old ways. That's a heart problem. No condo. It's not a heart problem. People sometimes forget. Mm. Uh, this past week, my wife can testify to this. I've been to the store a couple of times. And we've even ordered online um, screen protectors for my cell phone. That happened. Just thought I'd share that exciting news uh, with, with all of you. Um, if we want to mess with my wife, whom I just want to pause and say, I love you. I 
would not want to do this journey with anyone other than you, happy birthday. Now, um, it's my wife's birthday, and Jerry Coons and Leilani Squires, there's a number of you, but mainly my wife. Leap baby. Okay. If we want to mess with my wife, which we won't do today, kids, it's her birthday. Um, we will do things like this. Like, we'll be five minutes away from home, and if somebody says something like, man, did we leave the garage door open? Oh, what? Did we, did we leave it? She will start freaking out, and she'll start panicking, even though she checked the garage door 15 times while we drove away. And before long, that car is going to be circling back because we need to make sure. <laughs> we, we need to make sure. What am I saying? I'll tell you what I'm saying. Um, for the things that are most valuable to us, we don't depend on our memories. We make sure. We make sure. I'm going searching for a little screen to cover my phone to make sure that if that thing drops, it has some protection. She is willing to just turn the car around to make sure the house is sealed. Because <laughs> the garage door is closed. No, you protect it. You close it. You hide it. You set the alarm. You don't say like, man, I hope I remember to wake up for work. I heard Jesus invite me to mourning, and I got excited about it, but I didn't safeguard it. I didn't screen protect it. I didn't make sure that he gave me something so precious, I'm going to make sure I don't lose it. I'm going to make sure it doesn't sneak off. I'm going to make sure the devil doesn't come and snatch it. I'm going to give it roots, and I didn't do that with mourning. I didn't take the time to do the work, to, to, to make a note to myself and stick it in those places where I know I tend to get anxious. I didn't do the work to purge my social media of some of the people who say the most hurtful things. I just said, thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. I hope it works out. And I didn't give his truth roots in my life. That's a heart issue because I don't do that. With my car. Some of you got excited about meekness. But you. Passion didn't come with a plan. Didn't do the work to anticipate. Some of the places where you feel most threatened. That you're most tempted to rise up. And become most aggressive. You didn't uh, do the work of. Again distancing yourself from some of the people. Who trigger you. And you found yourself back into the same places, the same patterns. Because you heard Jesus and just hoped for the best. Jesus says there was no root. I think we in the church have often become lazy listeners. Which is a hard issue. And I think Jesus would say, if I reveal something to you. I, I reveal something to you and it excites you, protect it, safeguard it, ask the question, how do I make sure I don't lose it? And it makes it all the way into application to my life. Otherwise, that thing will drop and shatter. Otherwise, the first moment you experience hardship or things get difficult, you will find yourself reverting. I think there is an invitation for us to check, like, is that me? I get excited. I even share the word. I even tell people. I even take notes. And then I never come back to them. Because if that's true, we are going to miss what Jesus is saying. We'll be ever hearing and ever making notes. Ever getting excited. And by the way, if we just pause long enough to think about it, it's just this ridiculous thing. Like week after week, ah! <laughs> Got to get back to church. Ah! And some of us, two weeks, so we skip the next week. 
Because I didn't need to be fired up. And we come to church to be fired up. Right? No. The real work begins when you leave this building. And you start to ask each other in community, how do we live this out? Which is why we always have questions after the message. That's where it really begins to take root. And if we don't do that, y'all, listen, we will go through this series and we will not see the yield that Jesus longs to produce in us. Come on, let's get to work. You're going to hear us with with Pastor Jeff offer different opportunities for us to put roots, discipleship roots, to the things we're learning so that we can practice this over and over again. Let's not miss it for that reason. Verse 22. All right, we need to start moving towards wrapping this thing. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries, the concerns of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and safety and security choke the word, making it unfruitful. For some of us, we hear the invitation to live in light of the kingdom and we understand it. But the problem is that it then clashes with our passions, our plans. Our priorities. Mm. We appreciate it. We're just not willing to pay the price. To enjoy and experience it. I hear what you're saying. But I don't think I'm willing to give that up. To have what Jesus is inviting me into. So. mm, mm. Amen. I agree. But I don't see how I can live that way and continue to enjoy our our annual family vacations. So I'll a shark tank for that reason. I'm out. I mean, I hear you. But as I listen to you, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know. How you keep talking about my, my needing to, to, to lay down my constitutional rights. And every time you say that, it just makes me angry. If the invitation to live in light of the kingdom messes with my constitutional rights. I'm thinking about the way that might play out. And, and these two things are growing together. And one is choking the other out. I hear you, but it sounds like a slippery slope moving towards nationalism over there at Mission Point. So, mm -mm. if I even get the sense that what Jesus invites me to might move me anywhere towards socialism, I'm out. In fact, I listen with a socialist filter. Jesus, if I hear anything that even sounds like it, I'm out. And so the concern for the, for the, for the fact that we might be moving to... Mm-mm. No, no, I can see where that's taking me. And it chokes out what Jesus is doing in us. Yeah, I mean, I hear it. But if you're telling me I can't clock someone who makes me mad, then meekness is not for me. Suggesting I can't just express myself sexually whenever and however I want. If the kingdom is going to mess with my sexual exploits, then I am. Uh, I mean, my retirement fund, am I? Mm-mm. Jesus says the worries and the concerns about security and the things that matter to us. I start to weigh those things against what he's saying. And those two things grow together. And eventually. His word gets choked out. Jesus is saying some of us will go through a series like this. And we will pick and choose what we embrace. As long as it doesn't threaten our, our passions or our plans or our priorities. And Jesus would say if you listen to the invitation I offer. 
like that, you will be ever hearing and never perceiving. You will miss what I'm inviting you to. Matter of fact, if you can make your way through this series and it doesn't unravel some of the things you value and it doesn't mess with the way you live, you weren't listening. You're not hearing me. And I think there's some of us who hope to get through a series or a conversation about the kingdom unscathed. We've protected all of the things we value and no The invitation is getting choked out. And I believe Jesus wanted us to pause mid-series and ask the question. Are we protecting the things that matter the most to us, even from the voice of Jesus? Or can we honestly say, whatever revelation requires of me? Can you honestly say that? Jesus, whatever the kingdom costs me, I'm in. That's the posture of my heart. I've struggled with that this week, y'all. Man, there's a group of of people, and I love you, and I'm so thankful for you. There's a group of people who who walk with the Spirit in beautiful ways, and they're so generous to me to share what they believe the Spirit might be saying, or if there's anything he is speaking to me. I'm so grateful for these people. Last week, one of these people sent me a text message that I still haven't answered. If you know me, I'm terrible at texting anyway, but this is not that. The text message said... Kondo, I sense that the Spirit wants me to ask you, how uncomfortable are you willing to be for the sake of revival in this area? I've still not responded to the text. Because of the worries of life. I have struggled so much With the church's response to politics. That the church no longer feels as safe to me as it used to. So I hear that and the Lord knows it freaks me out. Are you going to ask me Lord? To continue to to stand and share with with church. Where people are evaluating everything I say. Trying to decide whether I'm on this side or I'm on that side. I'm tired. I don't want to do that. It's exhausting. I don't know Lord. Am I going to continue to say things that make me feel unpopular. And just more lonely. I don't know if I want anything. to. I don't know if I can give you a blank slate with that. For the first time, I I, I worry about being a a black pastor in a white community. I've never had to worry about that, but now I'm worrying about it. And then Confederate flags freak me out. And I don't know what you're going to ask me to do. The concerns of life. And I still haven't answered the text. Pray for me, y'all. Because I know my response should be whatever revelation requires of me. Whatever the kingdom costs me, I'm in. If you want to awaken our community, I'm in. So I'm going to answer that text a little bit later today. But it's been a difficult one for me. And I could have gone through this series and not paid attention to the fact that there were things I protect. The things that freak me out. The things that scare me. That make me predetermined. I'm listening to you Jesus. But if you ask me. How about you? Is the posture of your heart one that's worrying and and, and concerned and and trying to protect certain things? Come on. If Jesus said to some of you, like, I'm going to call you to go to the other side of the political aisle and like, nope, I've already decided you can't possibly do that. And I'm telling you, if we 
approach his invitation with that heart posture, we will be ever hearing and never perceiving. And I'm confessing to you all, this is not where I want to stay. I want to be able to say whatever. Yeah, but will you ask me some of the things that matter most for my family? I don't know if I can just say whatever. And yet I'm telling you, Jesus wanted us to pause, you and me alike, to answer the question, are you willing to say whatever revelation requires of me? Jesus, I'm in. Your kingdom is worth it. And then Jesus gives what I pray will be a description of all of us. The ideal heart response. Verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil. Refers to someone who hears the word. And understands it. This is the one who produces a crop. Yielding a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. The idea of understanding by the way here. Is is, is a picture of a, a jigsaw puzzle. In the sense that it all connects. This is a person who hears the word of Jesus. And it connects. I hear it with my ears. I understand what it means in my head. And I've done any chasing down to better understand it. I'm all in with my heart. Whatever revelation requires of me. And I safeguard and secure it in a way that affects the way I live with my hands. It all connects. And I'm just checking Is that us? Is that a description of you? Because Jesus is not interested in any other response except the fourth one. In this series, he is looking for his people who will respond whatever revelation requires of me. I hear you. I get it. I'm going to do the work. I'm open to whatever it means, and I want to live it. And come on, did you see what Jesus says will happen when we show up with that whatever revelation requires of me posture? He says those people experience a yield 30 or 60 or 100 times what it was when it started. Come on, that is my prayer for me. That is my prayer for you. Come on, Lord, abundance. In your people because you've met a heart response that says whatever you want. I'm just saying, let's make the seed count. I don't want to walk through another journey with, with, with the gracious, you know, invitation just scattered all over here and nothing comes of it. Let's make the seed count. May Jesus find here only one kind of soil. Let's not waste these invitations i love this and that's my prayer that's my hope is that come on we would be 60 times the versions of what we were when this series started jesus offers that in his kingdom i will transform you you haven't even scraped the surface of the things i want to do in you the things i want to do through you Come on, may we be a hundred times happier than we were in January. Because of our heart posture. Jesus, you say, oh, how completely happy. Then I want to be completely open to whatever it is that you want to say, speak, call me to. Whatever the cost. Come on, may we be 30 times more effective for his kingdom. May our homes be 30 times more peaceful. I want to reap the harvest. I don't want to just be listening to these messages and nothing come of it. Come on, may people find you 60 times more attractive. I don't know. All things are possible with God. Come on. I don't know what this looks like, but come on, get in on it. I just don't want to get this close to the kingdom and have the devil rob us. I want a hundredfold. 
I want to see the church thriving a hundredfold. Because our posture was one of surrender. So Jesus, I pray that by your spirit, you would stir in us humility. You would stir in us hunger. Lord, even now I say to you in front of my brothers and sisters, whatever revelation requires of me, I'm in. Give me the courage to continue to say that even when things are challenging. And may we experience your abundance as you experience our surrender. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.